It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Could the new Big Ten media rights deal actually be a good thing if you're a member of the Big 12? If you're BYU, we'll talk about that on today's show. We'll also let you hear an exclusive one-on-one conversation with BYU fullback slash H-back slash tight end. Mason Wake, he explains his multifaceted role in BYU's offense. And of course, we'll get you some more notes at midweek from BYU training camp. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. Thank you for making us here your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room by giving you all the relevant information from the BYU sports universe that you guys can handle in a daily 20 to 30 minute podcast and make sure you guys are up to speed with regards to Cougar Nation. Also, by way of introduction, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. I also have been covering BYU professionally for over a decade at this point in my career and absolutely love what I do. So a big thank you once again for taking the time to check out the show. Now, there's a bigger story out there in the college football universe, and that involves the Big Ten and their media rights deals. And it is still ongoing. We have not heard the official numbers because they haven't announced it quite yet. But the expectation is that the Big Ten is going to net north of $1 billion annually for their new media rights. But the bigger thing here that came out, uh, this came out yesterday on Tuesday, is that John Oren from the Sports Business Journal said that ESPN has pulled out of the Big Ten media rights negotiations, ending one of the longest sports media relationships in the business. ESPN said no to the conference's final offer of a seven-year, $380 million per, per year package, according to sources. Now, that's a very interesting number because uh, if I'm not mistaken, I looked this up, the Big Ten and ESPN had had been working on a $190 million deal recently. That's what they have been paying, speaking of ESPN. But the thing about this is also, as you dig into it further, that uh, $190 million deal, which according to what this means, is the Big Ten wanted double the money for half of the number of games. So, you're going to pay twice as much money for half of the inventory. Didn't make much sense for ESPN. And that is the interesting part about this because now, according to reports, uh, both CBS and NBC are now closing in to be the media rights partners alongside Fox for the Big Ten. And that would mean that you'd have uh, the Big Ten spread across those three networks. And you're probably wondering, Jake, what in the world, what does that have to do with BYU? Well, that is the thing about this is ESPN currently is in media rights negotiations with the Pac-12. The Big 12 is not far off from opening their own media rights negotiations for 2025 and beyond. And that is where I think you're going to see some interesting things with regards to how ESPN is going to operate. According to everything uh, I read slash heard on this, is that ESPN is very much interested in the late night window that the Pac-12 in particular can offer. Well, if you're the Big 12, you say, hey, we may not have the number of schools in the Pacific time zone, that late night window, the fourth TV window, which most people kind of go by. You have the uh, the morning window, that there's two after 
afternoon slash evening windows, and then there's a late night window. If you're the Big 12, you tell them, we have a program that can play the late night window, and that's BYU. I know it's not ideal as a Cougar fan to be thinking about playing a bunch of 8.15, 8 o'clock, 8.30 kickoff type games, but... It's going to actually be to BYU and the Big 12's advantage if ESPN is really intent on building up the product on the back end, the late night window that it appears they are closing in on. They're going to obviously, they're locked in with the SEC. That's kind of been their baby. They have the college football playoff, all that stuff. But the bigger thing is, is now the Big 12, if they're shut out of the Big 10, that means more money in their pockets that they can in turn show to the Pac-12 slash Big 12. I also think, and let me be uh, very clear about this, is that with ESPN apparently being shut out of this media rights deal with the Big Ten, that means to me that the Pac-10, as will be constituted once USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, I am of the opinion that you will see uh, the Pac-10 at least stick together for the short-term future. Now, seven years is an interesting number because that would begin the rights, I believe, in 2024 for the Big Ten. That would push them to the early 2030s, so 2031. How will the Pac-10, how will the Big 12, how will they agree to this? I would actually imagine that if you're Brett Yormark and the Big 12, you're going to go into those media rights negotiations and say, you know what, we're going to line our media rights negotiations up in the same timeline as what we're looking at with the Big Ten. We want to not necessarily do what the ACC did and lock ourselves up for what? 20 years it feels like we'll do a four to five or a six year deal and then we'll go back to the negotiating table that's the way i would operate if i'm brett yormark in the big 12 and that's byu by extension here but if you're the Cougars, if you're Tom Homo, if you're the BYU Brain Trust, that is probably going to have a, a say in this. Kevin Worthen obviously will be as the university president. I would be going to the Big 12 and saying, you know what? We will play as many late night windows as possible if it is going to get us more money in the process of negotiating these media rights. With the Big 10 nearing the completion of its deal, then I think you'll shortly see thereafter more numbers about what the Pac-12 or well, it's going to be the Pac-10, what they can expect in terms of their media rights, if it's going to be ESPN or if they're going to go with somebody else, Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV, do they try to get in the mix there? That's going to be the interesting part here is how the Pac-12, what will be the Pac-10, what will their media rights number be? Because then at that point, I think you can in turn uh, project across to the Big 12 of what the Big 12 can expect in their upcoming media rights negotiations. So there are a lot of numbers being thrown around. Let's be very clear about this. One billion uh, for the for the Big Ten, I've seen people saying that the Pac-12 can expect anywhere between twenty to forty million dollars. You know what? I'm waiting to actually hear more of a concrete report. I think once we have that Big Ten number, once the Big Ten actually announces, okay, we have our media rights locked in, this is what we're doing. Uh, obviously, they probably won't announce the number themselves. I actually respect them more if they did. We're making $1.2 billion annually. Okay, tell us what the number is. And then at that point, I think we begin to really start to see things filter out as re- with regards to, okay, what is the Pac-10 going to be worth? What are those teams worth? Because if you're Brett Yormark in the Big 12, well, you you're going to consider yourselves a better, more stable product than the currently constituted Pac-10, and you're going to expect you're going to make more money than them. The biggest thing, I think, for the Big 12 is to keep themselves as close to what the projected numbers for both the SEC as well as the Big 10 is going to be. If those conferences, they are the Big 2, the Power 2, as some people are calling them, if they're going to be making anywhere between 70 and and $100 million a year annually, you need to get yourself as close to that number as possible. 
Do I expect the Big 12 to get to 60, 70 million dollars a year? No, not right away. But if you can go out and negotiate a deal where maybe early on you take a little less money and say, you know what, we'll accept maybe 40 to 45 million dollars a year annually and we'll have that uh, increase because all these deals have an annual percentage increase in them. That's just the way things are built out. You take that money and then you start to invest in it. I think the nice part is you have programs like a BYU. $40 million is going to be just an absolute, uh, the ships come in, in essence, for the BYU football program, the BYU athletic department by extension, because they have never operated with that large of a budget. And the good news is BYU is already starting to expand uh, how they're operating. They have uh, brand new staffers in multiple uh, programs throughout the athletic department. The football program, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gregor Bell said this on DJ and PK last week, there are now 10, uh, what do they call them, analysts for all 10 assistant coaches. So in essence, each assistant coach on BYU's football program has an assistant themselves. Uh, guys like former Ute Raylan Singleton, uh, a guy who spent time at the University of Utah as well as the University of Houston, he's now working with the BYU football program. So BYU's investing, folks, and the good news is with the increased amount of money coming into the BYU football program via these media rights negotiations, which will obviously uh, be happening in a relatively not too distant future, there is a big opportunity for BYU to invest in the program. Speaking of BYU football, uh, BYU basketball by extension to a degree, but you can invest in these programs like you've never done before. How will that relate to overall performance on the field, wins, that type of stuff? Well, the correlation out there pretty much shows that the more you invest in a football program, it correlates to better wins, uh, not better wins, more wins in the ether. And that's that. That's the positive if you're BYU. Invest in the product and b- benefit from that. That's the thing about this is you've got to go out there and you've got to put the money in if you want to get the results you're looking for. And I, for one, I can't wait to see how things shake out. But uh, the funny thing is, in a way, ESPN backing out of the deal with the Big Ten actually, I think, is going to be a boon for the Big 12 because it means there will be more money if they are intent on being a part of the Big 12 media rights package, if not the primary. Uh, so essentially, Fox is the primary uh, rights holder for the for the Big Ten. If ESPN wants to be the primary rights holder for the Big 12, well, with them not having to spend money on the Big Ten, that means there should be more money in the coffers from the worldwide leader to help uh, Uh, fund these programs in the Big 12. And I, for one, all the money you can get, if you reinvest it the right way, I think it's going to provide benefits for all these programs, especially BYU. All right, coming up here in just a minute, uh, we'll get to an exclusive one-on-one conversation with BYU fullback slash H-back slash tight end Mason Wake. A great conversation with him. We'll get to that momentarily. First, though, a word on our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs, my friends. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games right now. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have got you covered. Head to betonline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today on their website. It's all courtesy of your friends over there at Bet Online, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. 
Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys taking the time to check out the show. It just It's so much fun to talk about BYU. But the best part about training camp is my opportunity to get back into practice and talk with the players, the coaches, and some of the administrators around the BYU football program. It's been a long four or so months since spring ball wrapped up, and I was excited to catch up with Mason Wake. He's one of my favorite dudes on the BYU football program. Always enjoy talking to him. A guy who plays a very... Very uh, prominent role in BYU's offense, dude, just doing a lot of different things. He can block like a fullback. He can play the tight end spot that BYU, uh, sometimes uh, the USC game, we're going to talk about that. You'll hear that in this conversation. He stepped in when Isaac Rex and some other guys were dinged up in that game and played that position flawlessly. He plays that H-back role. He is just a guy who I like to call a football player. That's the thing about this is you can delineate how you want with regards to his overall position on the football field, but his role in this BYU offense is absolutely critical. So without further ado, here you go. Mason Wake speaking with myself after practice earlier this week. Coach Roderick said it was a calculated move to install as much of the offense around as they have. How do you feel that's gone overall? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's not bad. I've been doing it. This is my fourth year now. But yeah, like some of the new guys, I've been in their position where uh, like Coach Grimes was just shoveling stuff, shoveling stuff, and it was kind of overwhelming. But I mean, our offense is kind of it's kind of simplified to where you can run five plays a million different ways. You just got to get down the million different ways. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's a fun time of year being able to teach some of the guys what you've learned and stuff that's to help out and it's been pretty fun is that kind of the beauty of this offense though you're talking about the simplicity of it but you just you can attack a defense in so many different ways even though the play may be the exact same they don't the, the, i guess the opposing team doesn't know which way it's coming yeah i mean i think our coaches have done a good job of not like i mean i think i know some offenses you just have one guy and ours we have like a zone scheme where it could be the same play, same formation, but they could call a different for like different calls. Where I mean, that's just the fun part of it. It's like you never know what you're going to expect, so you can't just go in thinking, "Oh, I have this guy automatically." You got to hear the center, you got to know the fronts, and that's just the stuff that I love. And um, being able to, to 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 do that kind of stuff, those reps mentally is kind of um, where I've improved, and um, I th- I just love it. I just love football, and I love being able to read the defenses. And yeah, I mean, it's been fun. How is Houston's, I guess, acclimation into this team gone so far? I know you, you and him play essentially the same position, but how's it gone for him in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think he's coming along. Yeah, it's kind of a different thing where at Stanford, he was kind of a true fullback where you just ISO, go get the linebacker and go smash him. But I mean, here it's a little bit different. You got to be able to put your hand in the ground and be a tight end and be a wing and basically run all the routes that you can. And yeah, I think he's done a really good job and he's gotten into shape. He's got, he dropped down a little bit. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's loving it. And it's just, it's just this offense. It's built for people who can do many things. And it's not just like, oh, you can do this. You got to be able to do, you can't be one dimensional. And I think he's done a good job. I was talking to Coach Clark at Media Day, and he said in that USC game, they put you in like that nat- the regular tight end spot, and they weren't sure how you were going to perform, and you went out there and they said executed them flawlessly. That's something you pride yourself in just being, I guess simply put, a football player. Yeah, I mean, you never want to just be known as one thing. Like I was saying earlier, like if you're a fullback, you better know how to do the tight end things. Tight, tight, especially at tight end, you got to know, you know, second 
of all the offense behind the quarterback. You got to know everything, routes, what the O-line calls are, like everything. And so I think that's just kind of like you're always kind of ready because we do practice those things in, in practice where you, you got to be able to put your hand in the ground and play tight end. You never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, just taking those mental reps when maybe you don't think you're going to be able to get the ball, like that USC catch that I had. Um, I never ran that in practice, but I watched. But, yeah, I mean, I it was funny because, like, that week of USC, I ran that play in practice, and he's like, oh, you're probably not going to get it because he overthrew it. And then we ran it in the, in the game. So, I mean, it's just not knowing whether you're going to do it or not, but you just got to know that um, it's possible. So. You haven't played, if I'm not mistaken, since the UAB game. So how good does it feel to actually be back out here? Uh, it's really good. Like, I was telling you earlier, like, when I went head-to-head with Tyler Batty, like, that was a wake-up call. Like, football's back. So, um, yeah, it was kind of my legs kind of got back into it, uh, mentally got back into it. But, yeah, I'm just glad to be back. Can we expect more air wake this fall? I mean, it's up to A-Rod. We'll see what happens after the first one. So it's up to them. There you go, Mason Wake. A great conversation with him. Thank you for, to him for taking the time. And interesting to hear him talk about that USC game. He runs, runs that play. He had the big catch, obviously, late in that game. And he said they, they overthrew it. And you're not going to be able to get that. Well, you know what? Practice makes perfect. And that, that's the thing about this is Mason is a guy who just continually makes plays. And that, that's the fun part about it. And I, I for one... I cannot wait to see more Airwake this fall. I absolutely love the way he plays the f- game of football. Uh, it's with some like what I call like a reckless abandon. Uh, he is not necessarily going to throw his body into a, a situation where he feels like he can get beat up. But this is also a guy, folks. Uh, he weighs 250 pounds. I, I know that he doesn't necessarily look as big as you may think he is, but talking with him at football media, not media days, a training camp, folks, he is thick. He is a thick football player and he is well put together athlete and his role is just so, so critical to this BYU offense. Just the way he's able to impact the game. And he doesn't necessarily get all of the receiving yards. He doesn't get the rushing yards. He doesn't get the touchdowns necessarily. But what the role he plays, it's absolutely critical to BYU's overall success. So a big thank you once again to Mason Wake for taking the time to sit down with me. And uh, so uh, some of you probably are going to see this and say, okay, well, why is the camera so shaky, Jake? Well, I do have a, uh, so I, I bought myself, I, I'm working on new technology. Obviously we're doing video here with YouTube. So those of you who are listening to this in the regular podcast form, it won't necessarily make sense to you, but I did buy myself a tripod, took it to practice, pulled it out. But the thing that holds my iPhone, which I record those videos with, well, it didn't happen to be in the bag. I got home and it would just be having to sit on, sitting on my desk here in my recording studio. So uh, apologies for the cameo with my fingers, uh, maybe getting a little close to the lens and obviously the little, just maybe a little shaky of the footage there. But good news is moving forward, I actually have all the parts and pieces now and our video recordings should be a lot more stable and should be a lot more professional looking. I guess in theory, uh, we'll be out there later today, by the way, on Wednesday, it'll be BYU football of photo day. So guys milling around doing interviews and that type of stuff, getting their photos taken for the official, uh, what do they call them? Yearbooks anymore. I don't even know what they call them. Almanacs. That's what they call it. So I'll be picking up some interviews there and we'll play those later this week as well. I still have some comments I need to get to from Preston Hadley, BYU defensive ends coach. We'll get to that later this week. And also just a little bit of a tidbit for tomorrow. Going to catch up with BYU, excuse me, uh, not BYU, Sports Illustrated's uh, John Garcia. We'll expect to catch up with him. We'll see how it all shakes out schedule-wise. Talk a little BYU recruiting. Hoping to catch up with him and talk a little bit about what's going on with regards to the recent commits. Guys like Owen Borg, Andrew Heinig. 
uh, let him sound off on what you can expect from each of these guys playing for the BYU football program. It's kind of a programming note for the rest of the week. Now, I got a couple of questions you guys uh, threw at me over the past week or so as the open of training camp came and went. Uh, some guys you're wondering about, notes about training camp. Had a chance to catch up with some people, our quote-unquote practice insiders. Got some uh, notes on those guys, and we'll wrap up today's show with those notes coming up as we continue on with Locked on Cougars. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, thanks again uh, for checking us out. And last thing before we go on today's show is obviously our goal here, we talk about the fact we are your team every day talking about the Cougars. Well, the thing is, BYU, we only have so many opportunities as a media core to be out there at football practice. And by the way, if you did not read Jeff Hansen's uh, piece on the overall coverage and BYU trying to take it out of our, our hands as a media, well, he's not wrong about that. I know some of you probably saw that over on GiveHemHellBrigham.com uh, and also be probably part of their Give Them Help Brigham, the podcast this week. But the bigger thing is, uh, I had a chance to catch up with some of the folks who are more in the know and p- people that are actually at practice. Uh, and that's the fun part about this podcast is I'm bringing you insight from people, not with just my own eyes. And obviously I'll be bringing you anything when I'm out there at practice. I'll pass along the notes that I see, but I have an opportunity to catch up with some people and they fill me in on some of the details going on with the BYU football program. Now, I'm not going to have an update for you guys on Gunnar Romney and or Dellen Holker. It sounds like mum's the word on what their status is. According to Aaron Roderick, uh, it was more of a NFL veteran day. I'm not 100% certain that I completely buy that that early on into fall camp, but even if it is an injury concern for either one of those, speaking of Dallin Holker or Gunnar Romney, the ultimate goal is to have them ready for game one against USF. Both of those players, they are proven commodities, and you don't necessarily need them throughout the entirety of training camp. So if they have any type of injury concern, yeah, let them rest up, get healthy, and then really worry about uh, game week coming up here in a couple of weeks and get them ready for USF and Tampa. That That's the bigger uh, concern there. Now, one person that I've had a couple people ask me about is Hobbs Nyberg. He's uh, been BYU starting punt returner for the majority of the past two seasons. I, I caught up with one of our people, and they told me that Hobbs is actually dealing with an injury, and that's why he hasn't been in fall camp so far. BYU has 109 players on their roster currently in fall camp. You're allowed to carry a maximum of 110 players, so they could actually add one more to the mix. I would assume that's either Lisala Tai or Mori Bamba, the junior college transfers. Whenever they get cleared uh, from the NCAA clearinghouse and BYU admissions, that type of stuff, their paperwork's all filed away. I figure either one or both of those guys are probably going to join the roster and begin training camp right away. It sounds like Hobbs is dealing with a lingering injury and that's why he's not been in training camp so far, but the hope is that you'll see him back on the field relatively quickly probably uh, more likely when BYU is able to expand that roster to the 123 players you can carry uh, during the season. It's just one of those weird things about what's going on with BYU. And, uh, well, it's not BYU. It's, it's the NCAA. You can carry this many players for this part of the year, but then you have to cut it down to this, and then you can go right back to the... 
It's absurd. I, I, I don't get it, but it is what it is. Now, a couple other things. Uh, everything I'm hearing, by the way, on the tight end front with Dallin Holker out, Isaac Rex has been a pleasant surprise, according to most folks in camp. He's doing more than most people expected early on in training camp. Kalani Satake said day one that he will be on a pitch count. They want to make sure that he is healthy for game one. He doesn't overexert himself, doesn't have any uh, type of lingering issue pop up that would affect him going into the season. But uh, talking to a few people around the program, it sounds like Isaac Rex, he's doing more more than almost anybody would have anticipated going into fall camp. And that's a very positive thing, especially considering how severe that ankle injury was against USC last fall. So that's one thing you can uh, talk about is Isaac Rex is ahead of schedule. With Dallin Holker out, I'm hearing that both, and I've seen this myself, Carter Wheat and Ethan Erickson have really stepped into that spot right there. The good news for both of those guys, speaking of Carter Wheat and Ethan Erickson, is both of those guys are healthy. They had some injury concerns last year, especially in the case of Carter Wheat. He missed the entirety of spring ball, if I'm not mistaken, if I recall correctly. Correctly, uh, with uh, some surgeries he underwent during uh, the offseason. Well, with him back to being full health, many of you can recall during the 2020 season, him and Isaac Rex were an absolutely incredible tandem. When Carter Wheat is healthy, when he's 100%, he is a starting caliber tight end for BYU. He was not that a year ago. He was not healthy the entirety of the season. That really hampered his ability to contribute. A guy like Dallin Holker was able to step in and really show what he could do coming back off of a mission last year in 2021. But this tight end core, folks, it's deep. That's the good news is you got a lot of guys contributing. A guy like Ethan Erickson, he's a young buck. He may not see the field a lot this fall, but in fall camp so far, he has made an impression. And I remember talking about him during spring ball. He was making an impression then. So he has shown some really good things. And then one other, <clears throat> excuse me, one other thing to talk about. Yeah, according to some of the folks I was talking about, uh, talking to, excuse me, is that I'm, I'm pulling my notes here. Uh, the wide receiving core for BYU. If Gunnar Romney's out for any ex- extended period of time, you got guys like Chase Roberts and Cody Epps and Keanu Hill are going to benefit from that. And everything I've heard is that Puka Nakua, he is that dude, folks. He is the alpha dog in BYU's offense right now. He is going to, I think, have one of those special seasons if everything goes according to plan. Obviously, injuries and that type of stuff could preclude that from happening happening. But as things stand right now, everything I've seen with my own eyes and everything I've talked to with folks, they're saying that Puka Nakua looks as good as he has ever looked uh, during his college career. He has dealt with multiple injuries, both during his time at Washington and also in the transition to coming to BYU last offseason. But it sounds like Puka, folks, get ready. Number 12, he is ripping and ready to go, and that should excite you. Could he go for 1,000-plus yards? Absolutely. Could this be his final season in a BYU uniform if he does that? Absolutely. He could be on his way to the NFL. The one thing about Puka Nakua is he is a competitor. He loves playing the game of football. I think he saw that last year. He shows a lot of emotion on the football field, and he just loves playing the game. And that's what I love about a kid like that. Is just He enjoys the physical nature of the football uh, game itself. But at the same time, the dude, he's got next-level talent. That is, the, that is the one thing about it. He just absolutely enjoys playing the game of football. And that should uh, lend itself to him being a fan a favorite this coming fall. And uh, I, for one, I can't wait. So just one other thing to get you excited. But everything I'm hearing, man, Puka Nakua, he looks 
like using that terminology, that dude, the guy, the capital T, capital G, like the dude, like he is going to be the guy for BYU, it appears, going in to the 2022 season. Uh, Coming up, what are we now, 20 some odd days away. We're crazy how quickly it's coming, folks, but get excited. It is coming fast and furious. I, for one, I can't wait. I want to get to the games. I want to talk about actual opponents, uh, get people on to talk about these games. That is what I'm looking forward to, and we'll have you covered in the lead up to that all week long. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. A big thank you once again for you guys' support of the podcast. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. Want to encourage you guys now to get over to the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Make it your second listen of the day. I was part of their weekly roundtable edition that we do every single week talking about all the news and notes around the Big 12. Josh Neighbors is the host of the program. He's got you covered every single day with regards to everything going on in the Big 12 and that conference. So check that out. Make that your second listen of the day on uh, as you go throughout your day here. All right, that's going to do it for us. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast, and we will talk to you guys soon. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.